CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home Podcast for Friday, August 28th. It's the final episode of Gaming Ride Home. Let's start the show by talking about some stats. The first episode of the show technically premiered earlier this year on Thursday, February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day, but the first publicly available promoted episode didn't end up going live until a few days later. We basically backloaded a few episodes, so when you learned about Gaming Ride Home, there would be a handful of episodes available for you to already listen to. Today marks the 142nd episode. At about 15 minutes per episode, that's about 36 hours of podcasting. That's nearly two full days of me talking to myself about video games in a little closet I converted into a recording booth in my home. Through experimentation and a little trial and error, I found that writing about 2,500 words was about what I needed to hit in order to make a 15-minute podcast. So, 142 episodes at 2,500 words per episode. That's about 355,000 words of video game news scripts over the last seven months or so. Crazy thing about all that? I did it all without any mistakes. I never misspoke a word or needed to read a correction or accidentally left a throat clearing cough in or an unexpected belt. Every episode was perfect. They said it couldn't be done. <coughs> Some other arguably interesting stats. The show received 417,362 total downloads over the last about seven months. The most downloaded episode is the one announcing the close of the show. But after that, the top five list is the PlayStation 5 stream recap episode where I talked about Spider-Man Miles Morales and the new Ratchet and Clank for the first time. The Halo Infinite has been delayed episode. The Sony promises not to surprise everyone by suddenly opening PlayStation 5 pre-orders episode. The Sony is investing in Epic Games episode. And then the episode titled A Lot of People Bought Video Games Last Month and the new Tenet trailer premiered in Fortnite was the sixth most downloaded episode. Most of Gaming Ride Home's listeners are in California, but about 26% of the show's downloads did come from outside of the United States, which I think is just absolutely awesome. I still plan on talking about video game news today, but I also want to share your kind words and maybe talk about some segment ideas I never got around to doing. So, in terms of video game news today, Sony has a lottery set up for PS5 pre-orders, and it sounds like the console will be releasing in November, nothing confirmed there. And Gamescom shares new Dragon Age, Ratchet and Clank details, and there's a whole bunch more. Sony has a lottery set up for PlayStation 5 pre-orders, and sources are pointing to a November release window for the console. We still don't know when PlayStation 5 is releasing or how much it will cost outside of a vague late 2020 window, but Sony is at least accepting requests from PlayStation users who want to show their intention 
of wanting to buy a PlayStation 5. On a website that is linked in the show notes, there is a place where you can enter your PlayStation Online ID in order to be entered into a lottery to potentially pre-order the PlayStation 5 from Sony directly. The website reads, PlayStation 5 is coming. Register for an opportunity to be one of the first to pre-order your PS5 console from PlayStation. There will be a limited quantity of PS5 consoles available for pre-order, so we will be inviting some of our existing consumers to be one of the first to pre-order one from PlayStation. Pre-order reservations will be taken on a first-come, first-served basis, so once you get an invite via email, we encourage you to follow instructions and act fast. If you are interested in receiving an invitation, register below. If selected, we will contact you via email with instructions and details. I entered my screen name and was hopeful that I would get some kind of email at least confirming that they received my request, but I did not. So now all I can do, and all you can do too, is enter your PlayStation ID and hope for the best. And speaking of PlayStation 5 news, the website videogameschronicle.com, which has been a pretty good source for these kinds of details to date, recently posted a story saying that most signs and sources are pointing to a November release window for PlayStation 5. The Xbox Series X has committed to November, but Sony has not yet committed. Andy Robinson wrote in their gameschronicle.com story, According to VGC's development and retail sources, mid-November is exactly when PlayStation 5 is most likely to land. In the UK, we understand that PlayStation has already booked significant marketing spend for the seven days commencing on Friday, November 13th. Multiple retail sources have also told us that a launch during this window would fit within their expectations. Development and retail sources also agree that Xbox will launch first. Microsoft has told developers to plan towards a launch in the very first week of November, we understand, which would also give it wiggle room to potentially slip into the second week and still launch ahead of Sony. Xbox sources indicated that the platform holder is also expecting PlayStation 5 to arrive within the week commencing November 13th. That story is linked in the show notes and posits that the main reason we don't know these details for either console, release, and pricing is mostly because Microsoft and Sony are scared to commit in the face of COVID-19 as it could change anything at the drop of a hat, which is understandable and I think makes sense. Gamescom's opening presentation shares new Dragon Age details, among other announcements. Gamescom began yesterday, and while it's usually an E3 comparable show that takes place in Germany, this year it is all online. There was a big live stream yesterday that was full of all kinds of various announcements and details. The next Dragon Age was shown a little bit. It wasn't a trailer, but rather a collection of interviews with the developers talking about the future of Dragon Age. And it was interspersed with a bunch of in-engine footage, and we got to see some environments. Mostly, the devs at Bioware talked about how much they liked working in Dragon Age. But what tiny little bit was shown of potential gameplay really made it seem a little more action-y. I could totally be misinterpreting it, but that was something that I took away from it. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart was confirmed to be a PS5 launch window game, which means it won't be available for PlayStation 5 day one, but it seems that early next year is a safe assumption. Sony shared a seven-minute gameplay video of the game, 
And it looked great. It continues to be one of my most anticipated next-gen games, which surprises me. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga appeared again after an odd absence in the recent months, and it should release next spring. Little Nightmares 2, a game I am excited about, is releasing in February and will be available on current and next-gen platforms. Fall Guys' next season was teased, and it will apparently be medieval-themed. Doom Eternal is getting an Ancient Gods expansion, a new trailer for 12 Minutes, the puzzle game about being stuck in a time loop, will have actors James McAvoy, Daisy Ridley, and Willem Dafoe in it. Dafoe actually narrated the trailer. World of Warcraft's Shadowlands expansion is releasing October 27th. A Sam and Max VR game is in the works. Sims 4 is getting a Star Wars crossover. And the game Bridge Constructor, which is a puzzle game about physics, is teaming up with The Walking Dead for a very unexpected crossover. It was a surprising amount of stuff, and I am really, I'm just giving you the big highlights. There are a lot of smaller game announcements that were also part of the show. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day so what makes a life a good one in the coast guard we think it's all of the above and more but you'll have to find out for yourself visit gocoastguard.com to learn more Here's what released today. I actually missed it yesterday, but Hypnospace Outlaw, the weird game about exploring an early version of the internet to solve a mystery, released on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch today. It was a game that was well-liked when it released on PC. Captain Tsubasa Rise of New Champions is out today on PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC. Captain Tsubasa is an anime about soccer, and this game is a soccer game based on that anime. It looks way over the top and super arcadey and weird. If you have any affection for Super Mario Strikers, you might want to take a look at this. Immortal Realms Vampire Wars is out on just about everything today. It's a gothic strategy game about vampires. It has a bit of a Fire Emblem vibe to it. Jump Force Deluxe Edition is out on Switch today. It's Jump Force, but with all the content that has been added post-release. I reviewed Jump Force for Game Informer. I didn't love it. Madden NFL 21 is out today. I don't know that this year's Madden is really exceptional in any radical way. Usually the Madden that hits near the end of a console cycle has a good chance of being one of the better ones, but I don't think 21 is really making any waves. It's just, you know, more Madden. Project Cars 3 is out today. In the ongoing Forza versus Gran Turismo battle, the Project Cars series is generally pretty content with quietly appealing to players on both sides of that war. 
and releasing new entries at a much brisker pace than either of those other franchises. If you like car simulation, but don't feel like waiting, this might be your jam. Wasteland 3 is out today on Xbox One and PC, and PlayStation 4, even though the developer is now owned by Microsoft. It makes sense, though, because all of its release deals for Wasteland 3 were signed before Microsoft acquired the developer. The game is currently sitting at a respectable 85 on Metacritic. It's the series that released many years ago. It inspired the creation of Fallout. It disappeared, but then it came back with the help of Kickstarter. It's a very old-school PC RPG, but that's why fans love it. Windbound is out today on everything, even Stadia, and it's about surviving after a shipwreck. It's got a really cool art style that is reminiscent of Breath of the Wild, and you can use a paraglider like Breath of the Wild, which is very exciting. It's one I definitely want to check out. Here are a bunch of news stories and segment ideas that I just never got around to. I have a constantly updating queue of news stories that I plan on covering that I've been curating since the start of this show, and obviously I prioritize what I consider to be the bigger or more interesting news of the day, but here are a handful of just random things that I never got around to. The very first thing on my queue that I added in early February was that the developer of the platformer VVV, VVV, announced they were porting their game to the SNES. There was a weird Warframe Smash Brothers crossover that I wasn't sure how to cover because I've never played Warframe. Someone built all of Earth in Minecraft. There were these um, Mountain Dew-flavored Doritos at one point. There was an IGN story I never found the time to dig into titled NPCs in Fallout 76 are looting players' corpses and permanently stealing items, which sounded really interesting. The Panzer Dragoon remake sold better than expected, which I think is it's really a small story, but has interesting implications about the Panzer Dragoon series in the future. Here is a Kotaku headline for a story that I never covered. Political consultant suggests rallying Dems with giant Fortnite-style holographic Joe Biden... <laughs> Ikumi Nakamura, the woman who won everyone's heart when she presented Ghostwire Tokyo at E3 2019, said she wanted to make a new Okami game. Which, now that I'm saying it out loud, I wonder, did I cover that one? Maybe I did mention that. Sonic the Hedgehog's amazing social media manager who handled the fantastic Sonic Twitter account, Aaron Weber, left Sega earlier this year. And Nintendo recently renewed Zelda and Mario trademarks, which could mean something but it could also mean absolutely nothing. There was also this story I was looking at. Olivia Munn was rumored to be part of this, you know, G4 reboot, but I ended up skipping it because there was only one questionable source reporting it. And that is just a small sample of the queue I never got around to. That was probably like 10% or something like that. I also had this idea... We're going to get really abstract here. I, I had this idea that I was toying around with that would be like a top 10 list or something. Just just a weird, silly thing. But I noticed there were a lot of games whose titles are just first names or often specifically women's first names. So I started putting a list together of games that are just women's first names. And then I added some other, uh, you know, gender neutral name games as well. This was the list I came up with. Nicole... Claire, Catherine, Erica, Lisa, Syrah, 
and Violet. Those are all video game titles. <laughs> Some others on the list that were first names, but just uncommon names, are Nier, Alundra, Bayonetta, and Hob. So I don't, I don't know what that is. Top 10 games that are just character first names? If only I had more time. I really think I could have put together something special. Or, you know, just keep putting it off forever until I realized it was a dumb idea. Another dumb idea that I really did not get very far with was a list of words that are really easy to read, but hard to say out loud when you're reading them from a script. You gotta remember that before Gaming Ride Home, I was a writer at Game Informer. I was there for eight years. I appeared on podcasts and in lots of videos and stuff like that, but, like, for the most part, I was writing things. I wasn't I wasn't often reading a script, but anyway, maybe I was thinking of maybe those like a top 10 words that are hard for me to say. This is the list I had so far. Resident Evil, a game that is surprisingly hard to say when you have to repeat it a lot and when you're trying to enunciate. Colloquial. I edited out all the mistakes, but that just took me four takes. And finally, Epic Games Store. The pluralization of games right before the word store, always trips me up. And nearly every time I went to say it, I had to double check that games was plural. It's basically the demon's souls of PC game distribution platforms. Those are the only three I had. But, you know, hey, if I'd had more time, maybe that list could have grown. So there you go. Those are some of the undeniably amazing ideas that you will never get to hear, which, you know, is probably ultimately a good thing. That's it for Gaming Ride Home. I beat Creeks last night. It was a tumultuous journey where there were a few moments where I thought maybe I couldn't go on, but I persevered and really ultimately liked it. There is no dialogue or written story in the game, but it does a great job presenting this mysterious world and giving you context clues so you can generate ideas about what might be happening in that weird underground facility. I also really liked the ending. I was worried it was going to be an extraordinarily complicated puzzle, but instead it was an extended sort of set piece, wrapping up the last bit of story, and it ends in a quiet, sort of dignified way that I appreciated. A way that I hope Gaming Ride Home will end. I gathered up a bunch of just nice comments I wanted to read from people. I There's so many more of these. I'm so sorry if you sent me a great message and I didn't share it here. I read it. I'm trying to reply to everybody, but... And this is a little self-serving, I admit, but, you know, I, I'm proud of the show, and I want to share everyone's friendly thoughts about it. So, let's kick this off. Anthony Aziz wrote in to say, Oh boy, I am sad to hear that Gaming Ride Home is coming to an end. I look forward to your concise and light recap of gaming news every day, as well as your personal opinions. The show has been great. Luke wrote in to say... I will be honest, I don't get a lot of new information when I listen to the GRH podcast, but I love listening anyway, because I love hearing your voice on the industry. I've been listening to you talk since you were at Game Informer, and I look forward to continuing to do so. Thank you for doing what you do. James wrote in with one of my, honestly, one of my favorite compliments. They offered some platitudes about the show, which were really nice and genuine, but then they wrote, also, as a lawyer... I wanted to note that you've done a good job covering the Epic-slash-Apple lawsuit the last few days. Gaming news often struggles with legal topics, usually because they are trying way too hard to over-interpret some legal thing they've sort of read 
and start guessing wildly about what it means, so I am always prepared to cringe when a legal topic gets into the gaming space. Zero cringes for your coverage of this so far. Thanks again, and best of luck in the future. As a person who has been nervous about appropriately covering lawsuits, whether it is here on Gaming Ride Home or during my time in Game Informer for nearly a decade, I really appreciated this message. A person going by S. Pizzolotto wrote in to say, just wanted to write to let you know that the Gaming Ride Home podcast has been a bright spot at the end of my workday for the past few months. I always looked forward to hearing your take on the news and insight into the industry. I enjoyed the interview with Joe Moore in Tuesday's episode. It was fascinating to hear the evolution of the different tracks for the show and get a glimpse into the music creation process. You know, I think I think I might pull out that interview with Joel and make it a clip for my YouTube channel. It had not occurred to me to do that for that particular interview, but I've heard a few people mention it as a recent highlight, so I think I'm going to try to pull that out. Joe from the UK, which, you know, it was always exciting for me to hear from international listeners, wrote... I was really gutted to hear Gaming Ride Home is ending even though it's only been going for six months. It became a really lovely part of my schedule every day. I don't even care about gaming news very much, but your choice of news, extra comments, predictions, insights, and updates on what you were playing made the show really listenable. The whole tone of the show was super relaxing, and it would always help me de-stress after cooking tea or when I was going to bed, and this was especially important during the stressful times of COVID. Whenever I missed a few episodes, I'd always look forward to catching up on episodes. You can tell that that email was from outside of the United States because Joe talks about making tea. That's the that's the hint right there. And now on to some Twitter comments. At Cameron Solu wrote, Kyle, you did a phenomenal job with this pod. I've loved every episode and I think the format is something special. Many of the best video game pods are one plus hours long. This one fits perfectly into my daily routine. It keeps me up to date. It will be missed. I have a lot of long-form gaming podcasts that I listen to. I'm part of one, MinMax Show. I love long-form gaming discussion podcasts, but I do like the short-form idea. I mean, obviously I do. I committed to it for nearly seven months. At Al Davis 58813237 wrote, Thanks for all the effort and news. I really appreciated the show, and I wish you nothing but the best. I'll still hear from you on the MinMax Show, so I'm thankful for that. Brian McCullough, thanks for greenlighting this show initially. I agree with you, Al Davis, 58813237. Thank you, Brian McCullough, for bringing me on to do the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, let me look at my notes here. Someone named at Benjamin Reeves on Twitter said, maybe I'll finally see my family again. And uh, I'm sorry, but that won't be happening. At Josh Taylor Photo just wrote, no, in response to the news. At Fribble Crew wrote, that stinks. I really like this short, informative podcast. Gah! At Combat Honey wrote, that sucks. I loved the format, and you were a great host. Oh, thank you, Combat Honey. I appreciate that. At Manic T sent me a really nice DM about how they listen to the show with their one-year-old while they're feeding them in the morning, which was very heartwarming, and I appreciate that. There are so many more messages, and I, I tried to reply to as many as possible, or at least you know throw them a heart on Twitter if I read them. I appreciate all the support, and I appreciate you bearing with me during what is an undeniably self-serving part of this podcast here at the end, but I will end with at Bob Backwards, because it's got a good kickoff for a perhaps final comment. They wrote, I'm sad it's ending, but I'm glad it was here. The show was so perfectly bite-sized, and to hear the news of the day from a bright voice like Kyle's was a joy. I can say without hyperbole, I really enjoyed every episode. You should be proud. And 
I really am genuinely proud of the show. Brian McCullough and James Welsh from Ride Home Media were awesome to bring me on and really basically gave me free reign to do what I wanted within the context of, you know, the core idea, sharing the news in a bite-sized format, which I still think is really smart. They gave me the tools to do all the writing, recording, and editing on my own, and I learned a lot about producing a podcast. It's too bad the show didn't grow as quickly as we hoped it would, but I do really genuinely think the content of the show was good, and I think they agree. Brian and James, I believe they agree. I'm not going to speak for them, but I think they like the show. I will talk to you more about video games on other platforms, like Twitter. I'm at Kyle M. Hilliard there. I'm on Twitch. I'm Kyle Impersonator. And there's always the MinMac show with two N's. But I just wanted to offer one final thank you for checking out the show and participating in what I still think is a really smart and useful podcast for people who are interested in the video game industry, but don't have all the time in the world to devote to learning about it. And to be clear, I am saying that as someone who did not come up with the idea for the show. I just executed it. And for one truly final gaming ride home update, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is currently sitting at a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. 